My name is Paul Riley, also known as Political Paul, and this is The Riley Rant, a weekly podcast where we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. Let's rant. Thank you for tuning in to the 21st official episode of The Riley Rant. As was noted in the intro, we discuss all things political, professional, and personal. And if you've been following us, you know that many of our rants have been centered on the political or the personal. And so this week, I wanted to make a strong pivot to the professional. And I wanted to make that pivot this week as I've just transitioned to a new job where I was working initially in a sales role at one company and made the move to the legal team at another company. And as I began to think about that career transition, as I began to think about the professional landscape, I wanted to share with you some learnings that I've internalized and I'm going to take with me in my next role and in future roles as I think about my career and more specifically as I think about how I manifest those things that I want to accomplish in my career and in my life. And so with the topic centered on manifesting what you want in your career, I'm excited to spend this time with you on this Sunday sharing some nuggets of wisdom that I've learned on how to manifest and accomplish the goals that you have for yourself. And as we think about manifesting what we want, I want to leave you with three nuggets of wisdom uh, in particular that I hope that you will internalize and that I strongly believe will put you on the fast track to manifesting what it is that you want to accomplish. The first piece of advice that I have for you all is very simple. Ask for what you want. Ask for what you want in life as that's the only way that it's going to come to fruition. And LinkedIn CEO Jeff Weiner says it better than I ever could. He talks about his perspective on career and how he thinks that people should think about manifesting whatever it is they want to accomplish in life. He notes, if you can optimize for two dimensions, both your passion and your skill, and not one at the exclusion of the other, and you know what it is that you love to do most in the world, and you know what you're good at or the skills you want to continue to cultivate, you will be able to ascertain what it is you ultimately want to do. And once you know what that is, you're going to manifest it. It's just that when you know what it is that you want to do, you begin to explicitly and implicitly make it happen. You tell people, your colleagues, your family, your friends, the things that you want to do. And when they hear of opportunities or doors that they can open for you, they will do that. But if you don't know, and they don't know on your behalf, it's that much harder to make it possible. And so what Jeff Weiner is saying in this quote is that you have to first figure out for yourself what it is that you want to accomplish or what skills there are that you want to cultivate and develop. Once you know what that goal is, he's saying that you're going to explicitly tell people and also implicitly show people through where you focus your time and energy. And in doing that, in creating that awareness around what you want to do and in letting people know what it is that you want to accomplish, there is an opportunity there for those people to try their very best to help you, to be on the lookout for opportunities that may help you get closer to that goal and to be able to share those opportunities with you and open up doors that may have not otherwise uh, been opened up for you. And his main point is that if they don't know what you want to accomplish and you don't know, there's no way that's ever going to happen or, or for you to realize those goals that you have for yourself. And to show you just how relevant and real this quote is, he actually shares it with uh, Oprah Winfrey in an, a sit-down chat 
And Oprah says, you know, that's so true. I'll never forget a story about when I was in Indiana on my farm. It was a rainy day, and I just randomly shared that I wanted some tomato soup. A little while later, the neighbor comes back with some tomato soup. Oprah Winfrey is sort of surprised, and the neighbor says, you know, yeah, I heard you were talking about how you wanted some tomato soup. I had some extra tomatoes in my garden or on my farm, and I whipped up some tomato soup for you to enjoy. And that's when Oprah Winfrey began to realize uh, the power of asking for what you want and how when you begin to state what it is that you want to do or accomplish, how you'll be so surprised by how individuals, strangers, or relatives may work to help you get closer to getting what you want. Not only for Oprah, but for me as well, I think that this story resonates because uh, growing up, I've always had an interest in law and politics. I've shared this uh, with people explicitly. It's been apparent implicitly as I've gotten involved in student government in high school and college, or even you know when you look at my volunteer work on campaigns and working for politicians, there's always been this deeply rooted love and interest for law, for legislation, and for the political process, and I've always wanted to get involved in that. And I think that through sharing you know, those interests with people in my network, I've just been surprised by how people have been willing to open up doors for me. And an example of this actually occurred about three weeks ago. I was at a party, and one of my friends brought her boyfriend to the party. I'd met him once in the past, but he came to the party, and we began to connect. And he was telling me about his interest and like his life, and I began to tell him about what I wanted to accomplish in getting involved in law, potentially legal work and policy and government affairs, things of that sort. And he you know, began to talk to me, oh, I, I think there's a person that you might find value in talking to about this. He's someone I know very well. He's very well versed in the space. And I think that you would gain value from connecting with him. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure. Gave him uh, my number in hopes that he would connect me with the person. And just went about my business. We all enjoyed the party, everyone dispersed. And about a week and a half later, I got a text message uh, from the guy saying, hey, I know we chatted about a week and a half ago, really want you to meet this guy in my network. He's doing things that I think you might want to do in the long run. Want to see if I can set up some time for you two to connect. He connects us, we hop on a call. Mind you, I've never met this, this man in my life. We hop on a call and through that connection, through the person I met at a party, uh, we have an hour long conversation around careers and how to break into the public sector and how to navigate working in the private and public sector. And it was an extremely valuable conversation that came about at a random pregame where I was telling someone about what I wanted to accomplish and how they were able to open doors to the best of their ability to allow me to get closer to those goals. And so that first nugget of wisdom of asking for what you want is very straightforward, not groundbreaking at all, but it's so true. And I think you'd be truly surprised to see how people will mobilize their own resources and their network to help you get closer to where you want to be and what you want to accomplish. And I believe there's actually psychological studies that show that people get value from helping others. And so if someone does a favor for you, they actually feel just as good about that action uh, than you may feel from receiving it. And so we all as humans potentially are conditioned to find value from helping others, from being of value to others and for being a resource for other people. And so I say all that to say that you shouldn't be afraid of asking for what you want and of leveraging those around you to, to get closer to those goals that you have. And also one last point on that I think you all should be mindful of is understanding and Meg Jay, uh, someone we'll talk about later in the episode, she writes a book entitled The Defining Decade Why Your 20s Matter. And she actually talks about the power of the second and third degree. And she's basically saying that when you think about opportunities that are going to get you closer to the goals that you have, 
it's actually going to sit in that second and third degree connection pool. And so she's basically saying that it may not actually be your relatives or your first connection friends, your very, very close friends who are going to open those doors for you in life. She argues that's actually going to be the friends of the friends or the friends of the friends of the friends who uh, you have weak ties with who can actually do a whole lot of good in opening those doors for you. So I thought when hearing Jeff Weiner's quote, Oprah Winfrey's story, my anecdote, psychological studies that show that people have value from helping others, and Meg Jay's analysis of how weak ties are actually going to be the the ticket to getting you closer to those goals. I wanted to share all that with you. But as I share that with you, I also want to let you know that I have done a terrible job of actually following this advice in my career. And I think that it's due to the fact that I was afraid that if I told someone that my interest had lied elsewhere, uh, that it would lead to me being deprioritized or lead people to believe that I was no longer invested in the team. Now, of course, no one ever said this directly to me, but it was the assumptions that I was sort of creating in my mind. And that can get you into a whole world of trouble. When you begin to operate under certain assumptions, like I'm here working in sales, there's no way this company is going to allow me to try different functions. When you begin to make that assumption, you're not following the advice of boldly and confidently asking for what you want. And you're making assumptions and saying, from the start, I know this is not possible, so it's not even worth me trying to fight for what it is that I want. It may make sense to actually focus my time and energy on external opportunities. And that was one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn, that you have to, at times, be willing to stand up for what you want and be willing to ask for what you want. And it's not to say that it's always going to work out. It's not to say that my initial assumptions were wrong or that they were incorrect, but it is to say that there is a value in speaking up for what you want, that there is a value of, of exhausting all of your options and really making that external move be the move that came after you did all that you thought was possible to see if you could do what you ultimately want to do within your current company. And so that's one of the key things that I learned around asking for what you want. It's around being comfortable with sharing when your goals or your priorities change and trying to really work with people at companies or organizations that you're a part of that may have a vested interest in you being successful and that will be willing to work with you and help you get closer to what it is that you ultimately accomplish if only you had the confidence uh, to share with them when those priorities changed and ways in which they could help you reach that goal. And so that's the very, very first piece of advice that I hope that you will take with you is that you have to ask for what you want and that there are dangers that come when assuming uh, that something's not possible. And then if it ultimately turns out not to be possible or true, you can make your next move with the confidence and understanding that you made it clear what it was that you ultimately wanted to accomplish and there was no way for that to be done where you currently were. And so that's something that I'm going to take with me as I move on to my next role is, you know, realizing that while you have to show up and put your best foot forward, you also have to be direct and honest with people and really clear about what it is that you think you want to do. Because in my time, in my short time in the working world, what I've learned is that People want you to be successful. And yes, businesses have objectives and profits and goals and milestones that they want to hit and accomplish. And you have to do everything that you can within your current role to help the company execute on that, that target. But there's also a value in building up relationships within organizations so that if you do decide that there is another area you want to try out and you're already performing well in your current role, 
then there's no telling what you can accomplish or do with the help and support of those individuals. So that's the first piece. But then the second nugget that I want to share with you all is around optimizing for skills and identity capital. So when you figure out what you ultimately want to accomplish, and I figured this out sort of a long time ago, and I began to realize, you know, at the highest level, what I want is to be centered on work that is at the intersection of business, law, and politics. I want to ultimately work in a space and in an industry that will allow me to gain exposure to business law and politics. And so that's at the high level, that's the vision. And I imagine that materializing in a number of different ways. You know, I could see that happening particularly in law. I could see that happening in a government affairs, government relations role. I can see that happening directly on a legal team for a nonprofit organization or for the government. I can see it happening in a number of different ways. And so I'm currently now with that high level vision in mind, now moving on to that second nugget of wisdom where I now have to focus on optimizing for skills and identity capital that will get me closer to those goals. Someone I follow closely, Gary Vaynerchuk, he talks about reverse engineering your career. And he says you have to reverse engineer your career. And by doing that, you have to first start with what you want. So I'm starting at that high level of what I want, that business law, politics intersection, where I can play a part and be at the center of all of that. And then I begin to think about how do I optimize my skills around that. And Kyle Newport, as we discussed in the second episode around the best career advice I've ever received, he shares that when you think about your dream job, I can guarantee you that it often is a mix of traits that include creativity, so being able to go about your role in innovative and unique ways, always being able to mix it up. The second trait is impact, where you're directly impacting your team, your organization, your community, or the world more broadly. And lastly, where you have control, control over when you come and go, control over how you spend your time. You have control in your career. And so at the highest levels, those are the traits of uh, dream jobs and of jobs that people often love the most. They're jobs that allow for you to have creativity, impact, and control. And in order to get to that ideal state, Kyle Newport argues that you have to start now building up rare and valuable skills. And when you build up those rare and valuable skills, they will allow you to create career capital. And with that career capital, you will be able to create a more meaningful life. You'll be able to cash out on the skills and the capital that you developed. You'll be able to cash those out and take advantage of opportunities that get you closer to more impact, more creativity, and more control. And when you begin to think about those skills, he cautions us, as you may remember in that episode, um, he cautions us to be careful about being power hungry and trying to grab for that control before you have the skills to back it up. And that's what I had to learn in my career too, you know, that I definitely want to work at the intersection of business law and politics, but I now have to start optimizing and building up those skills. And as I work to build up those skills, I have to be careful not to try to demand more control or more money or more responsibility without first accumulating the necessary skills and, and capital to justify and warrant that. And so as I began to think about optimizing your skills, for me, if I want to get to that high level vision, I have to start now building up skills that will give me the capital to then be able to cash out on opportunities that will get me closer to that ultimate vision that I have and that I mentioned to you earlier. Meg Jay, psychologist and author of The Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter, she discussed uh, developing, similar to what Newport was talking about, she calls it identity capital, and she describes it in the following way. Identity capital is our collection of personal assets. It's the repertoire of individual resources that we assemble over time. These are the investments we make in ourselves, the things we do well enough for long enough that they become a part of who we are. 
Some identity capital goes on a resume, such as degrees, jobs, test scores, and clubs. Identity capital is how we build ourselves bit by bit over time. Most important, identity capital is what we bring to the adult marketplace. It is the currency we use to metaphorically purchase jobs and relationships and other things we want. And so Meg Jay is sort of speaking in similar terms to the ways in which Cal Newport is discussing capital. It's about building up experience and skill sets over time so that you can then leverage your expertise, your capital, your career capital, identity capital to really go after and purchase in that adult marketplace the jobs that you want and the opportunities that you want. And so as I begin to think about my career and that goal that I had, I had to begin to ask myself, are you optimizing for the right set? of skills to get you closer to that goal. And Gary Vaynerchuk, in a post he writes, he describes this in great detail. In his example, he's talking about how he ultimately wants to own the Jets, the New York Jets, the football team. And he basically had to ask himself, you know, am I setting myself up now to be successful in my quest to own the New York Jets, which requires a lot of money, which requires a lot of capital and resources. And he realized that he wasn't. And in that blog post, he shares two quotes that I really love. He says, in that moment, I realized that your actions don't map your ambitions. And another part of the blog, he notes, your behavior has to back up your word. And I realized that I was in a predicament uh, that Gary Vaynerchuk found himself in where my actions weren't mapping to my ambitions. If I wanted to be at work that was at the center of business, law, and politics, then I had to start proactively finding ways to build up rare and valuable skills within the law, politics, and business to really give myself the identity capital and the career capital to begin to build up expertise to pursue work that was at the heart of those roles that I ultimately wanted in the long run. And so as I began to think about optimizing for skills and optimizing for capital, I had to start proactively making moves and intentionally finding opportunities to develop the skills that I ultimately wanted to accomplish. And for me, that materialized in a way that required me to move to another company to work on a team that would get me more aligned to those goals that I had. But if you look at Meg Jay or Gary Vaynerchuk or Kyle Newport, you know, they'll tell you and I'll tell you as well that really transforming and manifesting what you want in your career, it doesn't always require that you leave your job. In other words, Gary Vaynerchuk notes that you actually shouldn't leave your job. You actually should maximize the 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. to go after that side hustle and those things that you want to accomplish. And you don't necessarily have to quit your job to start finding ways to get closer to the work that you love. Kyle Newport in his book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, he speaks in a similar terms when he talks about how instead of you know quitting your job with nothing lined up, that you may be better served by trying out small bets to help you get closer to figuring out what it is that you want to accomplish. In his mind, those small bets that you go after, you know, maybe from the 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. time frame, they could potentially turn into bigger bets that then require you to pursue them full time as you've now demonstrated that people are willing to pay for your skill set or service and that there's a viable path for you to make that into a full-time opportunity. And so all of these influencers in, in their own way, shape, or form are encouraging you to build up the necessary career capital to find skills and roles and careers that are meaningful to you. But they argue that maybe it is moving to a new job, but oftentimes it's about working with what you currently have and trying to get closer to it by taking smaller bets to get closer to those goals. So as we talked about in this episode, the first nugget is first defining and then asking for what you want. 
through asking, you can manifest as people will help to bring the, and pull their resources to help you get closer to that. But then after you manifest and determine what it is that you want to accomplish, you have to now start optimizing for the right skills and the right capital that you want to build so that once you gain the skills and the identity and career capital, you can then, as some of the influencers know, you can then purchase additional opportunities in the marketplace or you could stick your head up and look at other opportunities that will allow you to further develop your expertise and your capital to get closer to a job that you ultimately love and a job that's likely centered around impact, creativity, and control. But then lastly, as you go about manifesting your career and going after what you want, the last piece of advice that I'm going to take with me in this new role and beyond is the importance of staying in your lane. When you think about college or when you think about kindergarten uh, to 12th grade or senior college, I would almost describe that as a road trip where you open up the Maps app on your phone, you type in the final destination, the GPS will give you a sense of how long it's going to take to get there. So if you're in college, the GPS may say, oh, you know what, this is likely going to take four years. You may get there you know, faster, maybe three years, or later, maybe five, six years. Uh, but this is sort of the path that we think you should take to get to that ultimate destination. You're staying within the confines of the directions that are given to you by the GPS or by professors with their syllabus. And of course, things can happen along the way. You can get a flat tire, which delays your trip. You could, unfortunately, get sick. That prolongs the trip. But you ultimately know where you're going. And so that's how I like to categorize the time from kindergarten to 12th grade or kindergarten to your senior year of college. It's sort of that road trip analogy. But then after you get out of college and you enter the working world, I would almost compare that to the amazing race. In a similar way in which you no longer have a GPS guiding and directing your path, Instead, you have these milestones and checkpoints that you create for yourself, similar to the ones that are on The Amazing Race, where they're racing to different cities, they have to get to different goalposts and checkpoints by a certain amount of time, or they will ultimately feel like they have lost or they're eliminated from the race. And that's how we often think about our time after college in those first couple of years out of college. We're on The Amazing Race. We don't have necessarily a GPS telling us where to go, and there's no one car that we can take to get to the destination. And it's up to us to decide, you know what? We all have to get to this first checkpoint, but you can get there by air, land, or sea. You can do a train or a bus. You can do a taxi. You may get lucky and find a mentor or a native in the country that you're visiting who can actually show you the shortcuts. But, you know, it's really up to you and everyone's scrambling trying to figure out what they're going to do. That's, I think, that second phase of this race analogy of trying to get to the destination. But I think the third level, which is what I think we all should aspire to getting to, is uh, one uh, that is of enlightenment around realizing the value and importance of staying in your own lane and realizing that you only have to compete against yourself, that these checkpoints that we make and that we scramble to get to or this GPS that we relied on for so long to direct us to the destination, that they may not be the best ways to go about accomplishing those goals and those milestones that you have for yourself and that you may actually find more value in staying in your lane and really focusing on your own unique individual path and realizing that you're going to get to things on your own terms and so there's no value in looking at your neighbor or your friend and seeing what they're doing and a quote that i found that really encapsulates and captures this idea that i'm trying to, to get to you to understand through this rant uh, was a post uh, that was placed in a whatsapp group and it was circulating around the web i unfortunately don't know the author who i should attribute it to but it was a whatsapp quote about staying in your time zone and the author notes you are unique don't compare yourself to others. Someone graduated at the age of 22, yet waited five years before securing a good job. And there was another who graduated at 27 and secured employment immediately. Someone became CEO at 25 and died at 50, while another became CEO at 50 and lived to 90 years. 
Everyone works based on their quote-unquote time zone. People can have things worked out only according to their pace. Work in your time zone. Your colleagues, friends, younger ones might seem to be ahead of you. Maybe some might seem behind you. Everyone is in this world running their own race on their own lane in their own time. God has a different plan for everybody. Time is the difference. Obama retires at 55. Trump resumes at 70. Don't envy them or mock them. It is their time zone. You are in yours. And I love that because it gets to that third level of enlightenment that I'm talking about. We're moving away from the road trip with the carefully guided GPS telling us the destination. We're moving past the uncertainty of our own self-created milestones that creates that amazing race dynamic where we're scrambling and running from checkpoint to checkpoint, trying to keep up, trying to stay in the race. We have to move to that third level, which is around staying in your own time zone, remaining comfortable in your own lane. And as I wrap up the rant, I want to leave you with a quote by Kathy Engelbert. She's the CEO of Deloitte. She notes, life doesn't go in a straight line and you can't predict where it will take you. But if you raise your hand, have confidence to do different things, take risk and build your capabilities, you'll be seen as a leader. And I think that Kathy Engelbert is really touching on the things that we've been talking about throughout the entirety of this episode. It's about raising your hand and asking for what you want. It's about having the confidence to try different things, to take risk, to step out of your comfort zone. It's about continuing to build up your skills and capabilities and building up identity capital. And all of this will open doors for additional control, creativity, and impact in your career. I'm going to take these three nuggets of wisdom with me. I'm going to First, be confident in asking for what I want and what I ultimately want to accomplish and being comfortable sharing that with my manager and my team in hopes that they can get me closer to the goals that I have as they begin to unfold and manifest and reveal themselves over the course of the next few years. I'm going to continue to focus on executing in my current role, building up skills that will lead to identity and career capital so that once I develop that career capital, I can then confidently seek out additional opportunities that will allow me to build on the skill set that I've been cultivating and developing over the next few years. And I will lastly be comfortable and confident staying in my lane, realizing that everything happens in my own time zone and that what I ultimately want to accomplish will manifest itself if I'm sure about executing on these three nuggets of wisdom so that I can ultimately be a powerful and key player in roles and in work that is at the center of business, law, and politics. I hope that this resonates with you in some way, shape, or form. I hope that you will consider applying these nuggets to your life, and I hope that you've taken something from this episode around how you're going to think about your career, how you're going to think about the professional landscape, and how you're going to start going after what you want in big and small ways in life. Thanks again for tuning into the 21st official episode of The Riley Rant. Remember, if it's Sunday, it's time to rant. If it's Sunday, it's The Riley Rant.